Hi, everyone. Welcome to Me, You, and Who. On today's episode, we are talking with Lauren Palm, our surrogate matching and education director. Lauren has been a part of our team since 2010 after she had her own journey as a surrogate. Lauren does an amazing job of finding just the right match for intended parents and gestational carriers before sending them on their way to creating their happy family. She is a busy mom of two and her weekend weekends are filled with sports practices and games. And amidst all of that, Lauren is able to smile, have fun. And she really truly has the biggest passion for creating happy families. In this episode, we cover just what it looks like to be an intended parent, the whole portion of matching, things to think about as you go into this journey. So please enjoy Lauren Palm. Me, you, and who? Who knew it would take more than two people to have a baby? In a world where infertility is no longer a taboo topic, this podcast will take you through all the different aspects of surrogacy and egg donation through the lens of many who walk this journey in different ways. My name is Whitney Hall, and I am a two-time surrogate, now turned surrogacy coordinator for Egg Donor and Surrogate Solutions, the very agency I used when I chose to carry for two amazing families. With this podcast, it is our goal to help guide and support you as you learn about what it takes to grow a family in an alternative way, as well as hear inspiring and beautiful stories of how this path has changed lives forever. We can't wait for you to hear about just one more way happy families are created every day. Hi, Lauren. I am so excited to talk to you today. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your incredibly busy schedule, um, to, to do this with me, but, um, yes. Oh my goodness. First of all, when did you even first hear about the idea of being a surrogate and surrogacy in general? It's been 14 years since I first really learned about surrogacy and decided to become a surrogate. And twins that I had will be 13 in two months. So I guess it's really been 15 years because I was pregnant for a year of that before they were right. You think about it. So yeah, it's been, it's been, um, it's been great. It's changed so much in like, in the time since I started doing it, you know, they didn't even do genetic, like genetic testing on the embryos has just been a thing that came about. Like everybody used to transfer two embryos when I was a surrogate because there was only like a 50% chance each one would work. Like they were guessing, um, if they were good or not. And uh, a lot of people had twins, myself included, because those were good ones. So, okay, how did you, okay, there's so much there, and I want to unpack it all, but how did you first even hear about surrogacy, and what research, if any, did you do to make you even want to go down that road? Honestly, I don't remember exactly what it was that that said Mm -hmm. it in me, but I do know that the thing that I most remember is telling somebody when I heard about it, like, I felt that's something I could do, and someone saying, that's crazy. I can never do that. And I was like, well, if most people can't do it, then I better. Like, I can't withhold my special gifting from the universe. <laughs> like, Absolutely. So true what I found all these years of talking to all these surrogates is that it is just like, not everyone can do it. And when you know, mm-hmm. like, I can give this big thing to someone else, like, it is, it's a calling for sure. Oh, I couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I absolutely couldn't agree more. Did you, were you independent or which for those who don't know, independent means you are just doing it, you and the intended parents and you don't have an agency or did you work with an agency? 
No, actually, I um, I started with Google, like all the people mostly. Um, Absolutely. And I was in Houston at the time, and I found an egg donor and surrogacy agency in Houston. Mm-hmm. And I called, and they said, we don't really do um, surrogacy anymore. We've been working with this lady named Gail. You should call her. And so I called Gail, who founded the original Surrogate Solutions, and she educated me and matched me with my intended parents. And then I came to work with her. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's so awesome. So, again, for those who don't know, Gail Garrett, like Lauren said, was the original um, owner of Surrogate Solutions before it became Egg Donor and Surrogate Solutions. And we adore her. And she's still um, with us working with our intended parents. But, um, oh my gosh, that's so fun. Okay, so you were matched with Gail, and you were matched with your intended parents. Were your intended parents local? Were you traveling? Or how was that? We were all in Houston at the time, and we met Uh at dinner. And I knew when I met them over dinner that, like, had I met them at a party or another event or something, like, we would have clicked and became friends. Uh Uh-huh. And so it was very easy to say, yes, I I will totally have your baby for you. Oh my gosh, I love that. I love that. So obviously, like you said, everything from 15 years ago to now, the whole matching process has completely changed. I right. mean, our agency starters, as a whole a big, has evolved. Sorry. For starters, that was the no, big thing. We met in person. Like, we met for dinner, just like Gil. And I should say the same thing. Like, it feels like I know this person who needs a surrogate. And I know this person who would totally be willing to be a great surrogate. I'm going to introduce them together. We're going to have dinner, see if, see if they hit it off. It's like classic matchmaking, right? And that's exactly Absolutely. how it felt. Like, yep, these could be my friends. I could have their baby. We're going to do this. And it was a very personal relationship. Um, yeah. And that is how it started. And that is... Um, the way that we were doing all the matches were mostly local and uh, people who met in person for everything. And as things have evolved over the last years, um, I, um, ended up getting divorced and moving back to Florida shortly after I started working with Gail and kind of basically started Mm -hmm. in Florida from, from scratch of going to different clinics and introducing myself so that they would refer intended parents and meeting different surrogates. And I used to do all the match meetings in person, like meet for dinner or lunch and introduce people to one another to see if we hit it off and want to move forward together. And now that, I mean, as it's been a combination of, as we've grown, I was spending so much time in the car and then local got further and further apart where I was driving all over the state of Florida. And then it was like, I haven't spent more time in the car than I am doing anything else. So it's, people, time, yeah. it's time to start figuring out a way to, to do things over. And so we were zooming before COVID, um, yeah. which is when most people <laughs> learn about zoom, but it's crazy. Like I have match meetings with people all over the country. I mean, and for a while I was doing quite a few international matches, but with, with our pool of surrogates that are so local and we still want those personal relationships so much. That's I match mm-hmm. local anytime that I can. Like that's such a big request of like, we'd love someone local so we can be involved so we can go to the appointments. It's not always possible. Um, and supply and demand, you know, is a big factor of that, but definitely make as many local matches as we can to still have that personal, that personal relationship throughout the journey. But technology has been so amazing in that I can match a couple in California with a surrogate in Colorado and we're all in different places. And then, um, and then they're able to go for it from there. So I, it's face-to-face, which is not quite as good as in-person, but it's pretty close. Yeah, 
It's for well, and you do such a great job of just you know kind of getting people to to be vulnerable and get to know each other, even if it is over Zoom. So basically kind of a, a skeletal version of how it works is an intended parent and a gestational carrier, they apply, and then you get a series of, you know, just applications and you're looking at them. What are some of like the big matching factors that you're going through whenever you start thinking about and getting to know people and, you know, oh, I think, you know, this intended these intended parents would match really well with this you know gestational carrier how do you go about doing all that well it starts with the deal breakers which has always been shared views on termination um only if something's wrong which is crazy because in 15 years like no, like we haven't really had to deal with people who want to terminate a pregnancy. Intended parents are spending all these years trying to get a baby in these, you know, up to $150,000 for this baby. The last thing they're going to want to do is, yes. is terminate a pregnancy. But it's a very real concern of not having control sure. of that if someone else is carrying your baby and something is wrong, not having that choice to make. So that's a very important choice mm-hmm. to a lot of intended parents and um, a lot of surrogates feel like that's not a choice that they would make. So making sure they align on their pro-choice, pro-life beliefs has always been like kind of the big thing, number one, even though it's the Mm -hmm. thing we never really need to do, but they do need to be aligned on those beliefs. So that's always been kind of number one. Um, And only in the last couple of years has the COVID vaccination, which is also like the most divisive thing ever um, come into play um, where I need to make sure that people are aligned on their beliefs in that. And um, if they have that vaccine or did not have that vaccine, and if the clinic is requiring that vaccine, then the surrogate has to have that vaccine. So that became a really big thing in the last few years um, since Mm -hmm. it's changed everything. Um, So once I've narrowed down those two things that we're on the same page on, then I can really look at that, like we mentioned earlier, like location. How important is it? Like, would you like a would you like a local match? And is that because you want to be involved? You want to have a friendship? You want to have a relationship? You want to go to all of the appointments? And making sure mm-hmm. they both feel like that's what they want. They want that same type of relationship. Um, if the intended parents um, are not that keen on a relationship, then it doesn't matter. You know, if they really are like, well, we might like to go to one appointment, but that's not important to us. We can Zoom appointments or whatever, you know, then sure. they can have to the surrogate that's anywhere, right? Because they're only going to have to travel, you know, to get the baby at the end and they can communicate over technology, you know, throughout the whole pregnancy and still maintain a relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of figuring out what that level is. And then another part of it's like personality. Like you can't necessarily have two type A people that want to drive the bus and be in charge. And like really the best matches are two people who are letting the coordinator be in charge and drive the bus. (laughs) (laughs) Or you can attest to. Um, But, you know, intended parents, like I'm never their first choice for how to have a baby, right? Like it's always been lot of loss and a lot of trauma and an enormous amount of false hope and disappointment before they get to me. So what Mm -hmm. I find is a lot of intended parents have a hard time getting excited about milestones that they've already hit and then had loss. And a lot of surrogates have never experienced any of that. So for them, it's like, yay, we have, uh, you know, we're we're going to transfer. It's going to work. You know, we got our positive beta. I'm pregnant. We've got, and for them in their minds, like everything is a celebration. And for intended parents, it's like, okay, 
but we've already done this before and it didn't work. We've already done this before and it didn't work. We've already gotten to this point before and it didn't work. And so it's mm-hmm. finding people who are compassionate with each other's situation and are like on the same page about how much is celebration and how much is, you know, being respectfully optimistic that this is going to work. And some intended parents want to know more and they want to hear about all of the kicks and others. It's harder to hear about some of those things. And so it's just kind of putting the personalities together of making sure that they are um, are both empathetic and um, compassionate. Absolutely. What What would you say is, I mean, do you mostly get intended, do you feel like you mostly get intended parents that are wanting to pursue a relationship with their carrier? Or do you feel like a lot of it's trans, transactional mostly? Or do you feel like it's kind of a combination? It's definitely, I mean... With our agency, it is definitely not as transactional as it can be with a lot of other agencies. And that really comes down to the surrogates because at the end of the day, mostly what I hear is like, we just need a good person to have our baby and we'll do whatever she wants coming from intended parents. If she wants a relationship, we'll be there. If she doesn't, we'll back off. Like we're just so grateful that someone's going to help us. Right. And the surrogates that are applying with our agency are wanting to help someone. Right. So they do tend to drive more of that wanting a relationship, wanting to choose their intended parents, wanting to have that connection because their joy comes from seeing the intended parents joy. Like they're coming into this to watch their faces light up on the ultrasound. Like, because they're the ones seeing their baby, getting their baby. Like they're the ones like the surrogates just, you know, like the oven, right? Like she's, but her joy all comes from theirs. Like the joy is completely from that. So that's why so many of them do want that match and want that closeness in them to be involved. And they can get a lot of that seeing them over FaceTime just as well as seeing them in person. Um, but it is a totally different experience when you're communicating just over text with intended parents that don't necessarily speak the language that you never met in perfect in person or developed that relationship with before they show up for delivery. So a lot of... Um, of our so and that's mostly why we don't do as many international international matches as we were at one point, even though there's that huge need there as well. Most of our surrogates are choosing the intended parents that they feel like they would like to have a relationship with. And Absolutely. so the intended parents and the intended parents I find would much at the once they realize what they're getting into, kind of in the beginning, they're just like, whatever, we just need a bit, you know, like once they see the difference in that, like you have a relationship, you have trust. It's so much easier to trust someone that's having your baby when you can see them and interact with them. And it isn't just like a text, you know, and then checking in after appointments when you feel like you know them as a person. So, so I think to answer your question, it's not very (laughs) rational in the sense that the relationship is kind of why the surrogates are choosing our agency to choose their intended parents. And if they, wanted a more transactional relationship, they would choose a different agency. They would choose the agency that's offering the highest compensation and you don't have any idea who your intended parents are going to be and you may or may not get to meet them. And the intended mm-hmm. parents are choosing that other agency because like the, you know, whoever's next on the list gets the next surrogate and we'll pay whatever, just get us matched as fastly as fast as possible. It's just a very different mentality than we're looking for the person that we can have a relationship with to go through this very emotional process with. Yeah, absolutely. So what would you say is, because I know, I mean, in in talking with intended parents, what would you say is kind of the difference between we don't necessarily have a list, but other agencies do have a list? What would you call us? Um, I always say you're not on a list, you're in a bucket. <laughs> um, <laughs> because 
Like no one's ranked any higher than the other. It's not who's been waiting the longest. And I, I don't owe everyone that I meet a match regardless of who the surrogate is. And I'm very clear with all of the intended parents that like, I am going to share your profile with, I only get so many surrogates. And when the first surrogate comes in, if she says to me, I'm in Dallas, I only want to work with an intended parent that's in Dallas because I want them to be local and I want them to come to appointments. And I, um, and I really just only want to care for first time intended parents. Then I'm not going to show her a couple in Oregon that um, doesn't really want to travel to Dallas and go to appointments that already has two kids. I'm going to show her who I have in Dallas that wants to come to all of the appointments that doesn't have any kids. But if I know that because I talked to this awesome couple in Oregon that I think they would get along really well and they happen to be in a position in which they can still travel and come to all of the appointments, I'm still going to let her look at their profile. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to meet her need while also meeting their need to the best of my ability in creating the right match. Which, I mean, just goes back to that sociology degree, feeling these people out, <laughs> just all of that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's a big master puzzle versus other agencies. What you're saying is when you come up on a list, you're right. just matched. So the end. You, our waiting list is 12 months because we match 10 surrogates a month and you're 120th on the list. So by the time we get to you, we'll be at about a month. It'll take about a year for us to get to you. Well, what mm -hmm. if their perfect surrogate just applies tomorrow? But instead, she's going to get assigned to the couple who's been waiting the longest that's in Oregon instead of the couple in Dallas that she just met, that, that you just met, but who would be perfect for her in every way, except they haven't been waiting long enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's so interesting and so hard and definitely takes a lot of trust. So what would you say with all of the matchmaking and puzzle work that essentially you're doing, what would you say is your favorite part of your job? My favorite part of my job is when um, I feel like Gail meets with the intended parents initially and she's able to give them some hope that, yes, we are going to be able to get you a baby. There's another way we can do this. And mm -hmm. I get to watch the hope turn into joy when they see some, when they meet the person. And like, you can tell by the profile so much because we do a great job of putting all the details there. Like there are some match meetings that are like, we already know all the answers to all the questions that we want to have. Like we don't really have any other questions. Match meeting isn't to like find out if they answer the questions correctly. The match meeting is to read their energy and to see if you vibe because like, on paper, people look one way, but like, you know, you want to make sure like, okay, this is a real person. I, they're laughing. We get the same jokes. We have the same sense of humor, like, and you can just visibly see when they go from like blind date nerves at the beginning of like, are they going to like, sure. am I going to say the wrong thing? Am I going to whatever to like, <laughs> just go, oh. like you can see their shoulders, like relax and them go, okay. These are real people. We can totally be friends with these people and we are going to make a baby. Like it is, it, that's the joy. That's huge. That's so huge. And so fun. I mean, yeah, those, I, I have to say as a, as a coordinator, whenever I read those match meeting notes, you definitely take excellent and sometimes very hilarious notes. <laughs> I feel as if you were in the room with us. <laughs> I appreciate that. I so appreciate that. <laughs> that's awesome. So, okay. Again, for those who don't know, generally the process with our agency is Gail meets with intended parents. We have our surrogate education team. They then come to you. 
you're showing profiles and you're having some back and forth, whether it, you know, yes, no, yes, we want to meet them. And then you have that match meeting. And in that match meeting, what kind of questions are you asking? Obviously, you said you're trying to see if they have a good vibe, you know, things like that. But what are kind of some of those main hot topics, I guess, that are in that do come up in those match meetings? Well, I think one of the things intended parents most want to know about surrogates is like, what's their motivation behind doing this? Like, how did they get there? You know, um, I always ask the husband, like pretty much initially, like, right. My first question to him is like, so what do you think when your wife said she wanted to have someone else's baby? Because one, it makes people laugh, like, and kind of lightens it up a little bit. And she's sure. like, what did you think? Like, were you like, cause most husbands are like, you want to do what now? And like, <laughs> and, and they have to like really convince their husbands to be on board. And like, almost their answer is always like, my wife is just an amazingly giving person. And it really doesn't surprise me that this is just one more way she wants to help. Like almost always that's what they come back to because that's who surrogates are and that's who they marry, you know, like, Mm -hmm. um, so that, and then like, you know, who's around you, who's supporting you? Like, is your fan? So we kind of talk about where'd you grow up? Where your family's from? Are you local? Like, you know, so, and we're really, we're finding out like, who's going to watch your kids when you go to these appointments? Like, is your mom there? Like, do other people know you're doing this? Like really kind of getting a sense of the support system of what that looks like. Sure. Um, and then we, we talk about what kind of relationship, like involvement we want, how often the intended parents are going to come to appointments and, um, what the surrogate's expectations are. I always ask people like, what's your favorite way to communicate? You know, like, are you one of those people that when your phone rings, you look at it and you're like, why didn't this person text me? Or are you <laughs> like every time you get in the car, you make some phone calls because that's your time. And you really like to talk on the phone. Like I So that they know, like, if someone only wants to text and someone wants to talk on the phone, like, we need to know these things. Like, we need to know how best to communicate with each other to be successful and kind of set the stage for that. Um, So, like, those kind of things that aren't necessarily, like, things that would come up in the profile, you know. Obviously, we talk about, you know, the things that are on the profile, but we do talk about, you know, what if it doesn't work and termination and and those kind of like what if something bad happens how are we going to handle it and kind of respond to it and make sure we're on the same page with that um we talk about social media i mean like don't you think you should know if the person you're matching with has five hundred thousand tiktok followers (laughs) (laughs) let's have a conversation about that that's about how we're going to share this and what the privacy is going to be and we talk about being in the delivery room and what those expectations are um so, so yeah, we talk about trips coming up or anything like that's, you know, scheduling wise. We, we talk about pumping because that's a deal. Bre- anything that's a deal breaker for some people, we're going to talk about it. Make sure it's not, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like I said, mostly it's a get to know you. I feel like I have a lot of conversations like getting the husbands to engage with one another about like making sure they, they root for the right football teams, especially in the South or, or other teams like the like I can't tell you how many barbecue conversations I've had in like Texas or like I think one of your cases like there was a whole Harry Potter thing that I was making notes about like they're different oh, yes, it was it was I don't even know what that stuff is but I knew you would know so I'm like taking notes like they're Slytherin they're Gryffindor they're whatever's like Whitney will know how to use this information like but they were bonding over it and that's what's important <laughs> Oh my gosh. No, absolutely. That's yes. That was one of my favorite things. And I'm pretty sure whenever I met with them later and they were my case, I was like, by the way, guys, I'm a Hufflepuff. And it was totally my way in. It was awesome. 
<laughs> no, but that's great. It is those, it, it's those nitty gritty, you know, extra details that it, you know, just make it more personal and less transactional. And, My job yeah. is to create the foundation that they're building their relationship on. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then coordinators help them build the relationship as they go through. And as yeah, well, absolutely. You know, navigating the journey and making sure all of the things get done. <laughs> all of it, yeah. The baby is made. Absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, you do such a great job of there's there's such a there's there's so much getting established prior to them even getting to us as coordinators. And you do such a great job of just getting that set up so that everybody can have a successful journey. And they're, you know, when things do pop up, everybody can navigate it and we know how to navigate. Yes. <laughs> So, no, you do, you do, you do a really great job. Is there anything, I mean, from, from when you first started as a matching coordinator to now, how do you think you've evolved in, I mean, obviously the industry itself has evolved, so you've had to evolve with that, but how do you think you've evolved as you've gotten to know, or as you've kind of gone through this? Um, I listen a lot more. Then I, um, and I can read between the lines a lot better. Mm, I have developed a lot of intuition. Um, Uh and because, and so much of that is just experience in the things that I've seen go wrong before that I didn't know were going to like the red flags, like I can recognize them so much sooner. Like anxiety is a red flag, like, because like, as you well know, as a coordinator and in someone that has a lot of anxiety about everything is a lot more work um, than someone. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying people who have a lot of anxiety shouldn't be matched, but I'm just saying, like, it's so much better for me to match them with someone who is so much of a calming reassurance presence for them. Someone sure. that can say over, I've done this before. Everything was seamless for me. Like, I, I got you. Like, you don't need to worry. And I can provide that education versus somebody that's like, I have three kids and I'm very busy and I can't calm you down right now. <laughs> like, it's in kind of putting those back <laughs> together. But the things that people don't talk about. Right. That's not the stuff that's on the profile. That's not in the paper. No one wants to talk about that when you're in that match meeting. And so it's that whole get to know you part in your job. Like you said, that intuition. Um, so what would you say is one thing that you would want to say to potential GCs and potential IPs as they maybe are looking into this and I guess maybe expectations or really just anything? What would be like one maybe key takeaway for each or all. Tell me what you really, really want. (laughs) (laughs) I tell you what I want, what I really, really want. Um, I feel like the biggest thing that intended parents do on their profile initially is make Uh it as vague as possible so everyone will not be offended and like them. Like so that anybody Mm. But I feel like the ones that the surrogates want are the ones that say exactly what they want. Okay, so be honest. Be honest, because you're right. not going to be everybody's cup of tea, and that's okay. Because you if you're your cup of tea, right? Like, yeah. tell me what you really want, and I'm, like, I'm not saying I'm going to give everybody exactly what they want because there are only so many unicorns in the world to put together, right? But sure. Like, for sure, like I, I, I want you to. I want everybody to get the best match for them. And so the more transparency, the more honesty, the more vulnerability that they show in who they really are, the better I can do my job. 
So final question, and this is just for fun. It can be serious. It can be, it can relate to your job. It can be silly. It can be whatever. But what do you wish you knew then that you know now? Um, that's a hard one. Like, no. I, I wish I had known how many small agencies were going to sprout up and that there was, like, that it would be the way it just changed so much than when I started. When I started in Florida, there were two other agencies besides myself, like educating and working with Florida surrogates. And now there are hundreds and there's so much that intended parents don't know, you know, like, and there's so much, you don't know one agency from another and like that, what their reputations are. And someone could just decide, like I I was a surrogate. So now I'm starting a surrogate agency and I have one surrogate that I is my friend that I'm going to match with whichever intended parents I can get as like is how it starts. And so there's just a lot of, of, you don't knows and, um, there's not any oversight in the industry with like a certain standard that different that different um, surrogacy agencies have to meet. So there's a lot of room mm-hmm. for, for bad humans to take advantage of very vulnerable people. And that, mm. that is frustrating to me because um, I also didn't, there was no Facebook when I started. Can I change my answer? That's what I was <laughs> There you go. That's a good, that's a good one. No Facebook when we started doing this. And now like everybody's like, I'm going to just find my match online and I'm going to save all this money, but not using an agency and take like, they think it's so easy, but like the reason your job is so hard and is because of all the things that have to get done and all the obstacles that come up and all the things that just, it, it's just not as easy, like as, as it sounds like it is, if everything mm-hmm. works the first try and there's just so many things that come up and so many changes and so many things that are out of control. And so I feel like the biggest thing we do is educate people and tell them like, this is normal. This is what's happening. This is what's going to happen. This is what could happen. And I just like so many people are unprepared and so many people are set up to be taken advantage of by other just not good humans that are out there and social media like you don't know that anyone's who they say they are and and that they're gonna do what they say they're gonna do and even that there are agencies that have you know taken people's money and just disappeared and yeah it's just like I just didn't see coming and maybe that's just my lack of foresight that that it would turn into just so many so many people trying to do what we're doing and doing it so very poorly. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, like you said, like when you first started it, you, you Googled, you, you just, you Googled and you can type in surrogacy. And I mean, you get pages and pages and pages. And I mean, yeah, I know for me, when I was looking into being a surrogate, it was by word of mouth that I heard and just happened to hear about our agency. Um, and I mean, but, and got lucky. I got lucky. Um, for sure. So no, that's... a lot of people get unlucky and we get a lot of surrogates that come from their second journey and they're like, my agency was really hand off, hands off. Like they wanted to get me matched. And then we just didn't hear anything from them or mm-hmm. I never got to look at profile. I never got to avoid. I was just told these are your people. 
and I didn't know that I could have a relationship. I didn't know that I could choose. I didn't know that how many times we hear I didn't know is I think probably why we work so hard to make sure that no surrogate's going to say I didn't know. We basically assume no one knows anything and we tell them everything. <laughs> no, I like that. I like that. Yeah, that's, that's the best way to do it. Exactly. Yeah. Edu lack of education, especially in something so big like this can can really be a judgment. So no, that's good. Well, thank you. I love you. I love You're you. You're one of the people in the whole world. I appreciate you oh. giving your time to this. Thanks. You have just finished listening to an episode of Me, You, and Who. To find out more about egg donor and surrogate solutions, go to www.createahappyfamily.com.